This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show once again. And as always, I am your host, Danny M. Lavery. With me in the studio this week is Lane Moore, the creator of the hit comedy show Tinder Live, where she swipes through Tinder profiles on stage in front of a live audience. Moore is also the author of the best-selling book, How to Be Alone, if you want to, and even if you don't, and the front person in the band, It Was Romance. Lane, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to finally do it. I am too. I also love that the title of your book reminds me so much of, uh, did you ever read Marjorie Hillis's Live Alone and Like It? No. Don't worry. It came out in 1939. So like, it's very, very <laughs> I long love being ago. compared to someone from 1939, though. That's okay with me. She was the editor of Vogue. Oh, and amazing. she was this like kind of remarkable person. It's this incredibly snappy short book. And it's just like, yeah. listen, you are an extra woman. It's the <laughs> 1930s. Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you think there's a man burglarizing your home. Well, there's not. And you need to get it together. And it's very brisk. Woman straight. And delightful. Do we know? She got married at 49 and was happily married for 10 years. So she spent the majority of her life not in a marriage. Um, And 49 was like 1,000 in 1939. (laughs) I I believe that it was the oldest anyone had ever been at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's a fantastic book. I read it for the first time in college, and I just found it immensely charming. Interesting, yeah. You should keep an eye out for it. That sounds great. Okay, yeah. You can read it She's like a literary sister. Great, yeah. And and, and it's three pages long. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, shut up and do it. (laughs) So this first question, I feel like... um, I, I've been avoiding questions like these, like, just because I don't know anyone who has things like smart speakers. So whenever people yes. write in and they're like, what do I do about this app or the camera on my doorbell or like my garage is alive? And I'm just very like, <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but I, I still have to answer it. So um, I'm going to let you read it. Sure. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Common area surveillance with smart speaker. Dear Prudence, I live in an apartment with three roommates. The newest one has taken some liberty as adding things to the common spaces. You can all already feel the rage uh, to the common spaces without consulting the group. But I haven't spoken up about it and focused my energy on keeping my room the way I want it. Recently, however, they've added a smart speaker to the kitchen. The corporation gives these speakers away for free. And I it's been wildly reported, sorry, it's been widely reported that they listen on, on users and collect their data. I have no issue with my roommate using one of these speakers in their own room, but frankly, I feel uncomfortable and violated having this in the common space. I'm pretty sure my roommate thought they were doing the house a favor by adding this. So I'm not sure how I can voice my concerns without sounding paranoid or pretentious. Am I crazy for wanting to veto smart speakers in the common areas? Do you have any advice on how I could approach this tactfully with my roommate? It strikes me as perfectly reasonable to have a privacy concern. I think so, too. Uh, like, again, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I don't I, think, if it sounds crazy, fine. I just want to, ha- like, add the caveat that, like, I don't know to what extent Same. this speaker, like, is activated when someone hasn't said a wake word. I don't know where we stand right, right now on, like, exactly how bad all the privacy violations are. So, yeah. I, I don't want to encourage necessarily like unnecessary panic, but it is unbelievably reasonable to say like, hey, I'm not super comfortable. Not even super that don't you don't have to downcut yourself that right. much. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, just yeah. say like, I'm not comfortable having a smart speaker in the kitchen. Can you please make sure it's not in the common area? That's a reasonable request. I think to it's make okay because we don't know what it's doing. I don't know. I don't think it's that 
it's that weird. And I think um, so I've avoid getting avoided getting one of these uh, for similar just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're using that I for. Just like I've never needed it. My phone and works I, pretty quickly. Same. Yeah. I'm not having that many time delays, but I had a roommate who had one uh, in his room and I was always freaked out by it, but it was in his room and yeah. whatever. And but if you felt uncomfortable, like I think just in general, if there's something you felt uncomfortable about in your home, like I um I used to get really freaked out on an old apartment I lived in when when the room next to me would shut the door, it sounded so loud in my room and it would like make my whole body shake. And so I asked my roommate, like, could you just like turn the handle and close it quietly? And they got so mad. And I was like, I'm allowed to say there yeah. are certain things that like aren't gonna cost you anything that would make me feel better. You can say it. Yeah. That's just what I think. And to me, like, I think the, like, the, the like, zeitgeisty tag of smart speakers maybe, like, is kind of a, a red herring. Because this is basically just, can I talk to my housemates yeah. about things we do in the common area together, right. even if they had probably nice intentions? And, the, like, of course. That How is, else are you supposed to live home. with people? Like, You have to be able to. If you can't, then, like, exa- precisely. I think that this speaks to, like, a larger... Fear of conflict. Yeah, And that's totally. fine. Like, I, it also, I my, my guess is that this is, like, an earlier in life living situation. So they're yeah. sort of like, okay, I remember how I fought with my siblings when we lived together. Yeah. I don't want to treat other people like that. Like, I, I know I can't just, like, like, punch someone in the arm and be like, get the fuck out of my room. Yeah. But... What do I do then? I think it's an exactly. I mean, not I'm that everyone hits this. their siblings, and you shouldn't right. hit your siblings. <laughs> but like, did you have any advice on how I could approach this tactfully? Like, this is somebody who's like, you sound like a thoughtful person. If you're listening to this, you sound like a thoughtful person. You sound like somebody who's. I mean, you really like you wrote a lot. Like, I, I see a little bit of myself in this. Like, yeah. how much this person wrote, or was like, first of all, but then like also, and I also want to hold space for it. And it's like sure. all the things this person sure. went through to like try and think if they were being unreasonable. And like everything you said here, I mean, you don't have to say this much, but like you could kind of read this yeah. in a way. Like, frankly, I feel uncomfortable in this way. I yeah. think it's okay. And you, you do not have to like go into extensive detail about your yeah. concerns. You just say, I have some privacy concerns. Yeah. If your roommate like followed that up with well what do you mean list them all that would be surprisingly antagonistic right, yeah I, I think you can assume if this person's generally like friendly and well-meaning yeah. that they would just say oh that hadn't occurred to me but it makes sense i will move it um or even if they're like i really like using it when i'm cooking you can say like that makes sense um but if then i'm ever in off, the kitchen by myself i'd like to turn it off or like move it into yeah the maybe that's what it is maybe it's just like i don't know you turn it off and it's fine that's fine even though i have a feeling they're listening when they're off anyway does that button really work we can't yeah i mean there's like, there's, <laughs> I, like I don't know if i'm that much stuff, of a like theorist. a little bit be. of electrical tape over your laptop and yeah. then there's or your your camera on right, the laptop right. and then there's like you can certainly go too far. You can make that, but you could also make that case. I don't know. You could also make that case for like your phone is probably listening all the time. Like we don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I think that it comes down to like. I like that we're both like no one could possibly know that. I'm sure there's someone who's just more tech savvy who's like right. screaming at their headphones right now. Like you can figure that out. I'm sure they are, but it's just like I think I think that the collective thing that we've come to is just like regardless of like we don't know anything about smart speakers. Neither one of us does. Yeah, I'm a but... beautiful himbo. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> but you're allowed to say, I just don't like it. Can we do something else? Agreed. That's fine. Great. This next one I also found very sweet and 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 kind oh, of charming. Yeah. Um, I got I, thoughts. I kind of wanted to be like, congratulations, you kind of have a daddy, but also yeah. like <laughs> maybe you actually just kind of have like an attentive, uh, casual-ish partner. But anyways, yeah, it's know. my turn. I'll read yeah. it. Subject, how much is too much? Dear Prudence, 
I'm a guy in my 30s who met a woman on a dating app about four months ago after a breakup. Things are going well, and we're getting really close. We're not officially dating, though. I think she would be interested, but she's expressed that for now she's fine with how things are. She's a great woman, adorable and funny and smart. She's also extremely generous, which is throwing me for a loop. I work a lot, and one of my gigs is as an unpaid intern, so I have very little money. If we only have time to meet up for a short while after work, she will offer to call me a car, since neither of us have cars and public transit takes so much longer. She's done this a handful of times. We went to see a movie once and she paid, and she's gotten dinner and or drinks many evenings. When she picks up a treat from the store for her dog, she gets mine one. That's so like Rebecca and Elias are at the well. Like, it's really Old cute. man, I will water your camels yeah. too. It's so sweet. <laughs> All of those are small, but she's also offered bigger things. When I had the flu and needed to see a doctor but couldn't afford it, she said that if I couldn't get in at the free clinic I was trying to get into, that I should make an urgent care appointment and she would pay. Honestly, as sick as I was, I needed that offer. And I don't know what I would have done if the clinic hadn't worked and I hadn't had that choice to fall back on. She later brought me soup and NyQuil. I'm so grateful for the care that she shows me, but how much is too much? My other friends don't offer these things, and she stands out for always being willing to show up. But not even my exes have done so much for me. I'm worried I might take advantage of her kind nature since I'm not ready for a relationship and don't think I can commit to what she might want even when I am. I really just don't know right now as I've been in long-term relationships for so many years and I'm still sorting myself out. She doesn't have a lot of money herself, but doesn't bat an eye when offering to treat or be kind. Is her behavior off or am I just used to low-key jerks? When is it okay for me to accept her generosity? So many thoughts. I have a lot of them. My first thought is just like, this is why we fucking need Medicare for all. That this That's also true. Guys <laughs> in the fucking position of like, I'm so sick, I might need to go to urgent care and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Right. And if I weren't dating someone like generous and with like spare cash right now, yeah. I would just have to like pass out on the floor of the free clinic. Right. And, that's, and now, because I'm sick and we don't have a common healthcare system, I have to ask this woman who has relationship status I am not sure of. Right. <laughs> now I have to have a conversation about my relationship. This is why we need Medicaid for all. We really fucking do. We so, really do. Like, so let's people all write have to that talk one. to their partners. Let's all write that one down. Yeah, I so think we you got feel it. free to break Done. up with anyone yeah. without worrying, will I be able <laughs> exactly. to go to the doctor? Yup. So walk me through some of your uh, thoughts here. I have a couple thoughts, and some of these you know, are my own takes on things. But like, I always think it's, and this is irrelevant to this person's question, first of all. Um, but the like, we've been dating for four months and we're not officially dating. I'm just like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Why? I mean, and I get it. Like, everybody's allowed to do what they want with their relationships. It's just that. But I just wish you could say something like, we're not exclusive and right. like, like, we're I, dating. I, it's I hate fine. that it's still this fuzzy thing. Like, because just like the, the way this person gets through the rest of this Sounds like everyone feels fuzzy about this. And that's the reason that I was like, I'm exhausted by this. Because mm. this guy is saying, like, I'm worried I might take advantage of her. I'm not really ready for a relationship. Like, she says she's okay with this, but I feel like she might want one. Like, there's just a lot of uncertainty about this. And also, it struck me as weird the, like, I'm worried I might take advantage of her kind nature. I've never really, I don't know where that stems from. So I think what this is for me is it speaks to the fact that, like, you guys need to have a conversation. It doesn't sound... To me, it's another red herring one where it doesn't sound like the question is really about like, is it okay that she buys me stuff? Because if you assume that someone like I, I relate to this a lot in that, like, it was only this year that I've like let anybody be really kind to me and like take care of me and offer things and felt like I deserved them and I was allowed to have them instead of just being this like give, give, give until you pass out on the ground person mm-hmm. that I had been socialized to be since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I felt like this was about that, then I would address that. 
But I don't think it is. I think it comes down to the fact that this guy doesn't really want much from this woman, and it seems like she might want more. That's what I'm hearing from this. Yeah, I, my thought here is, like, nothing that you've described here sounds so outrageous that no. I'm like, oh, she's trying to bypass normal intimacy, like, protocols by trying to, like, buy your trust or something. Like, she buys you dinner because she knows she has more money than you. Yeah. Sometimes she calls you a car because she doesn't want you to spend two hours on the bus going on a date. Which is sweet. So, you know, unless and until she's doing something where you know, like, she's only going to have to eat rice this week because she bought me a hat or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can just let yourself enjoy the fact that you're dating a generous woman who's got some cash to throw around. Um, it's kind of hot. It's kind of hot when someone's like, I'm totally. going to buy you this. Like, I'm going to get you a car. It's like, hell yeah, thank you. Oh, it's extreme. It's extreme. Like, uh, the first thing I thought when I read this was like, if you don't want this woman, I will take her. Like, that was the first thing I thought of. I was right. just like, this sounds like my dream girlfriend. Yes, please. Um I don't know. The thing that stands out to me the most in this is truly the, like, I'm worried I'm taking advantage of this person. I'm not really ready for all of this. Like, that's what I hear. That was the same line that I got, right? like, most interested in. Yeah. And I feel like the solution to that anxiety is yeah. you cannot take advantage of her if she knows what you want. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. All, all of this is just just speaks to the fact that, like— if you if you really are open, you have an open conversation because that'll bring things up and you're like, hey, straight up, this is where I'm at. Right. I know we've kind of said this. Let's say it more expressly and like openly share our feelings. And again, like you'll need to kind of be honest with yourself ahead of time yeah. before you have this conversation. But I don't think you necessarily have to frame it as like, here are all the things I can't give you. Do you think you're OK with that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think there's a lot of good here. And that so you can say, like, I've been loving seeing each other. Um I, I really enjoy everything that we're doing. Yeah. I have no interest in changing any of this aside from just like I love how much we see each other. I love the ways in which we are close currently. I'm really happy with the status quo and that's what I would want to go on. Um, I am not interested in like an exclusive long-term relationship. Does that sound good to you? How do you feel about that? We're at a four-month mark. Right. Let's check in. If that sounds awful to you. Let's figure that out now. Right. And then it's up it's up to her to it's up to her to state that because what I got from what I got from this is is at one point he said something like, you know, she said that that's okay with her, but then he later says like, I don't even think I can do that even when I'm ready for that. So it, you might have a, a situation where and it sounds like he has a feeling he has a situation where She's like, oh, this person will like want a relationship eventually, and I'm just gonna like be chill with it. Like right. that's what it sounds like it might be. So if you clarify that, you won't feel like you're taking advantage of somebody because somebody has all the facts, and then they're free to be as generous as they want. And I do think you should take her at her word. Yeah. If she's like, no, I'm genuinely enjoying this too. Don't worry about the money. It makes me happy. I love the time we spend together. Let's keep taking things one day at a time. Yeah. Fabulous. And if she says, you know, this is a helpful like moment to stop and take stock I actually yeah. now that I think about it am developing more serious feelings right and I think if you don't want the same things I want it's probably better to part ways now and then like call Lane more because I sound and like then, an amazing woman yeah and then she <laughs> should give Lane a call um and I love that I'm just up. assuming she's queer that's that's just that's a good thing to I do, mean though. you know why not <laughs> Let's go ahead and say women buying soup is queer. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying <laughs> there's a lot of queerness in this woman. I love the idea of like testing out with like a friend like, oh, does she buy soup? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you get it. She's yeah. bought me a couple soups. Oh, a couple. A couple wow. of soups. Thanks for kidding. Lentil? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's oh, how yeah. You know she's I'm saying it all. Um, okay. So this next one, uh, short and yet... Uh, <laughs> 
rich, rich so in rich. detail. Liter- literally <laughs> rich and figuratively rich. Uh, okay. Subject, wedding gift. I'm going to read this in like a specific voice because I just think it it's begging for Lane, it. Lane, I'm begging you. <laughs> Good. Okay. Dear Prudence, a good friend of mine is getting married to a guy who can't manage money. He frequently maxes out her credit cards and generally cannot be trusted with money. I want to support my friend, but I hate the idea of contributing to his bad habits. She's expecting cash gifts at her wedding to help pay down her debt. His debt, really. But I don't know how much to give. For what it's worth, my husband and I could easily afford a larger monetary gift. (laughs) I just need you to know, after hearing that voice, if that woman does call, I will delete her voicemail and fight her for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. It just felt like Catherine Hepburn needed to come and read this. I felt like Catherine Hepburn just like pushed me into a river in Connecticut and was like, swim back for breakfast. I'll see you in the morning, should you make it out. (laughs) If only she was still alive so she could bully me. I know. (laughs) Sorry, Kate. I'm Um, here. I'll do it. Yeah, you can do a lot less here, I think, letter writer. (laughs) Not like give less, like... Pick an amount of money you want to give your friend and let her and her husband worry about the fact that they're bad with money. That's true. I just, this just sounds exhausting. It's like, that's got to be, it's got to be frustrating to like know, to feel, to feel like, because I, I don't know if you can know, but like to feel like this is your friend's getting taken advantage of. But like, I, I think it's worth saying like, absent anything here that's like I believe he's abusive towards her Yeah, I, I think you can frankly say these are her bad habits too and also like she's making a choice it's not the I worst moral thing in the world to be a big spender like I get that it's yeah. worrying and it's not what you want and if you two are very close you might at some point ask her like how she's doing with all of that but yeah. genuinely just ask and like let her figure out how she wants to handle that if if her choice is to marry this guy who's bad with money and to say, have my credit cards, like, yeah, she can deal with that. It's just because it's like, what are you going to do otherwise? Are you going to like hand it to her, like sneak it to her at, at her wedding when she's like in her wedding dress and be like, this is just for you. I mean, <laughs> mad, <laughs> mad money, you can definitely try to bring that back. But again, absent, like if you thought I genuinely believe he manipulates and mistreats her in order to force her to give him money. Then that's that would a be way a, other. Com- yeah, that's a different. But if it's just literally like he is a spendthrift, and part of what she gets out of this relationship is that she wants to be like part of that process, and she wants to give him her credit cards. Again, that might be their dynamic. I don't know. Yeah, like maybe, maybe she has they a thing get for off on it. Like, you exactly. Know like I mean? you don't know. That might maybe be he's their like, thing. <laughs> maybe he's just like, "Mama, I need some soup." And she's like, "Baby, I'd I'm love like, to make you soup. I'm gonna give you that soup. Was, I got your soup. I got your soup." Um, yeah, give her whatever amount of money you are willing to like. Just lose. Like you're giving it away as a gift, and you just don't get to know what she's gonna spend on it. Yeah. Also, like. I, I just want to put in a plug for she's expecting cash gifts. Like, let's all bear in mind that gifts are still gifts. So, like, you can still, uh, you know, it's fine to say, like, that you yeah. have a registry or that you'd prefer one type of gift over the other. But, like, it's not literally like everyone has to slap $500 into her hand or else they're being bad friends. Like, yeah, you can get a gift if you would rather get a gift. I think. I realize that there are other people who would disagree, but I feel like you can't dictate to your guests exactly what kind of gift. Yeah, just like, so I think the the point of this and the conclusion we have both come to at the same page is just buy her a horse. Exactly. Get her a horse. Absolutely. 
I'm sure she could use it. She's I, got stables. This lady sounds like she has stables. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to make like a sta- stability joke. Um, and yeah, I just think like it, it's not just his bad habits. It's their bad habits. If you don't want to give her money, get her something else. Yeah. If all else fails, buy them a horse. Right. Exactly. Because they said a larger monetary gift. I would say that's a horse. First thing I thought of was horse. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I I wonder, too, if just, like, getting everyone a horse would have solved everyone's problems in today's show. You have to wonder. That's the real question. I, I we'll see. We'll see. Definitely maybe the cigarettes one. Um, but not this one. <laughs> this one is. Not this one. Would you know what's funny? Yeah. I'm going to read it in that voice again because I'm realizing this is another one that would benefit from it because it is so, like, 1940s in Lane, a way. I invite you to speak in that voice as often as you like. Okay, good. That's <laughs> many past partners have also <laughs> invited. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and I, I love it. It's my favorite thing. So, subject this is the new world. Dear Prudence, I've been dating my boyfriend for a few months and it's starting to get serious. I'm ready to introduce him to my parents, but I'm nervous about one thing. My mom is from a very old-fashioned British family. Oh, maybe I should be British now. This is fine. And table manners are very important to her. My boyfriend's table manners are perfectly fine by any normal standard. Uh, He doesn't reach across the table or chew with his mouth open. But there are little things that my mother will definitely pick up on. For example, he doesn't put his napkin in his lap. This really doesn't bother me at all when we're dining together. My mom would also never bring it up with me or admit to judging a person based on something like this if I brought it up first, so I'm not sure addressing it directly uh, with her is the right move, but I know from previous experience that she would notice and it would impact her opinion of him. I feel super elitist and Eurocentric for even writing this, but I really, really want my parents to like him. What should I do? Is there a tactful way for me to coach him a little bit before any mm, get-together involving food? Should I just completely ignore it and hope for the best? It really needed it. I just am going to take a minute to just like... (laughs) Also, can you imagine? Like, no offense. Like, this person's problems are very real to them. I would kill for a relationship where this was my largest issue. I mean, I it's only been a few wait. months. Like, I know, ideally, that is the level of problem you have a couple months in. That is ideal. I do think it's I'm slightly jaundiced by this column where, like, it's always like, I'm a couple months in and he blew up the moon. But hopefully these are the level of problem. And, and I actually do think there's a little bit more to it than just the napkin thing. I'm sure there Because the question is, is essentially, I like my boyfriend a lot. Is it okay for me to preemptively tell him to work really hard to please my parents Mm -hmm. because I fundamentally think of my parents as like the real authority in my adult life rather than this is my life and I want to invite my parents to see it and be a part of it. Right. So I think it's... And loosen their own preconceptions about what this person is based on a few things that don't ultimately show how good of a person someone is. Right. I mean, that said, I don't know what he does with his napkin. I don't either. Because, like, if he tucks it into his collar, that's a little goofy. <laughs> but if he just leaves it on the table, like, what's his napkin doing? What's this, what's this problem? And also, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm somebody who ideally, and I say ideally because I don't, I haven't always done this, but ideally is very into like radical honesty in my in my relationships i just really like it um if you're able to do it so like i, I guess i just wish 
that like if you've been dating this person a couple months that you could have a conversation where you could just straight up say like, hey, I'm about to tell you something that is so silly. And like, I know that it is. It will my take parents, three seconds. My yeah. parents really love table manners. They're going to want you to put your napkin in your lap. Can you pretend you're in like pretty woman or something? Or just like fancy say, put your time. napkin in your lap. It's Can not you even just, you have like, to do... have a mental fantasy in order to do but it. But you know what I mean? It's just like, just, just like I'm taking... I guess I guess making a joke about I mean like you could make a joke that's just like I know this is silly and you're having dinner with people who like really love table manners so just mm-hmm. pretend this is like some silly thing like and whatever you don't have to say that because I don't mean to literally pretend that but just like my parents are a little bit old fashioned and like this is what they like can you just do this even though I truly don't care yeah so I, I'm right there with you I think like on the one hand on the scale of the napkin thing absolutely it is fine. There's nothing weird about yeah. like encouraging someone to adhere to basic table manners, like putting a napkin in your lap. That's fine. It doesn't yeah. hurt him. You're not asking him to like change his no. core self. Like he can put a napkin in his lap. Um, but the, I think the, the more interesting question, and you don't have to have an answer to this right away, I think is like my, this doesn't bother me when my mom's not around. I know it would bother my mom. I know my mom would never tell me it would bother her. I know she wouldn't even admit that it bothered her if I pushed her on it. Yeah. So the degree to which you have, like, internalized fears about your mom's, like, deeply repressed emotional reactions to someone else and the way that you feel, like, such anxiety about managing them. Again, that, that strikes me as, like, I, I get it. We're all, as we grow up, uh, concerned about our relationship to our parents and, like, how do we deal with even the specter of their disappointment or disapproval. But so I would just say, you know, what would dinner with my boyfriend and my parents look like if I thought sometimes my mom is judgmental and she gets to figure out how to deal with that rather than how do I make sure my boyfriend doesn't fuck up? Right. And then, yeah, and then ruin it. For, for my mom, whose emotions I'll then be responsible for. Yeah. Um, I think that that's, I think that's, that's very apt because it does sound, and also, Raider, I, uh, I, I, I didn't mean to insult you anyway by putting on Catherine Hepburn voice for this, but these are very Emma problems that I, I think are very funny. Yeah. Um, I know they're not funny to you, but they're only not funny to you because you have a lot tied up in what your mom thinks, which is extremely relatable. And I think you feel probably responsible for your parents' emotions, which is also very relatable and codependent, yeah. and I get it. But I think it's also going to be good for you uh, throughout the course of this relationship, throughout the course of any future relationships, whether or not you stay with this guy for the rest of your life or not, um, is going to be figuring out how do I live my life in such a way that chasing my mom's approval is not my only or primary goal. And I don't say that to suggest, like, you must be a real mama's girl. Uh, I, I just mean I think it will be good no. for you to be aware of this tendency within yourself and say, like— Because it sounds—it's painful. Yeah. I know it's painful. Yeah, like, that that kind of, like, I a part of me knows I'll be monitoring my boyfriend right. the whole time through my mother's eyes, in ma- like, worrying about when's he going to do something that, like, quietly and privately bothers her. Which is awful because then that's, like, that's not a fun dinner for you. You're worried about how— if she's going to say anything, if she's going to feel like it's just ugh, monitoring someone's emotions that way is so exhausting. And I, I extremely, extremely, extremely relate to it, especially if this is someone that you're really who you really like. So I don't know. I think that exactly. I think maybe then just the addressing how that feels within you and how much codependency you might have with your mom, because a big thing for me that I had learned is when we talk about codependency, 
We think it means that you can't live without another person. And so much more often, and this was huge for me to realize, it means that my feelings are directly related Mm. to your feelings about me and things I'm doing. Mm. And that is the larger problem with codependency. That's like, oh no, whatever reaction I have is based on the reaction that my mom has or my dad has. And that's so much more of what it is, really. So just something to think about. All right, so... I'm excited for this next one because yeah. I just have a quick answer. Yep. But I think it's your turn to read it. Or did, no, you read oh, the no, last no. one, right? Yeah. yeah, you get oh, to take this one. Fantastic. Great. Oh, no, you're excited. Subject is can't buy cigarettes. Dear Prudence, suddenly I'm too young to buy cigarettes. My husband, yes, the irony, refuses to buy them for me. I told him that if I get too desperate, I might have to get a fake ID or steal cigarettes from somewhere. But he's willing to risk my going to jail. How can I convince him to help? Should I deny him sex? Hide his motorcycle keys? I, I will begin by saying I felt like the last two lines were tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah it, totally. It, it definitely did not strike me as like this was a totally straightforward suggestion. But I will just say if it would bring you joy to enter into like a sex freeze out in order to get cigarettes, I guess you could. That sounds pretty miserable. Also, I don't understand this letter at all. Is he like telling her like you can't buy cigarettes anymore? You're too young. I don't understand. Oh my this. gosh. Have you not heard? There's a new federal law. You literally now have to be 21 to buy cigarettes. It was signed into okay, effect last. that makes so much more. I'm like, what? How are you? No, I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yes, for context, listeners, anyone who's not aware, uh, it is now the law federally okay. that you have to be 21 to buy cigarettes. Um, All right. Yes. Like, that's why I was just like, is this even a real email? Like, what does this even mean? I see. Okay, I well, get it. And, and, and part of why I think it's uh, your, your confusion is shared by many others. The rollout of this law has been, uh, you know, like many things out of this administration, abrupt and confusing. Yeah. And a number of states have been sort of like, wait, what's going on? When does this start? Right. Okay. Um, all right, good. I'm not too far behind on this. We're all aware it's better not to smoke than to smoke. Yeah. And um, there are also lots of reasons that people choose to take the risk of smoking. And uh, I'm just going to trust that this letter writer is, you know, they're not asking me for advice on how to quit. They're asking me for advice about how to get cigarettes now that they are Older than 18, but younger than 21 and married, which, you know, you got to luck and and married and your husband has a motorcycle and you've at least thought about a sex boycott before. Like you've had a very interesting life. Yeah. Like your life sounds dope. I mean, I guess I mean, if if I were to give a more serious answer to this now that I have that information that makes this actually make sense to me, um, I, it's like I guess he's not buying them for you because he's like concerned about your health, which I get. But, like, that's not going to make you quit. Yeah. So to that, I would just say, I don't think you should waste your time trying to convince your husband that he should do this for you. I think you should figure out how to get your own cigarettes. Yeah. So whether that means taking a trip up to Canada or out of the country to pick some up. Or asking, asking an a older friend, friend who's yeah. older than you to buy them for you. A cousin, and a fun uncle. A fun aunt. I mean, you got a fun-ass life. I'm just reading this email. I'm like, yeah. the, the cigarettes, the motorcycles, the sex denial. Yeah, yeah. You know some cool people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Take him uh, out of the equation. Ordering them online. Yeah, because he's not saying he's going to leave them. He's going to leave you if you smoke again. He's just like, I don't want to buy those for you. Yeah, but absolutely, like, get your own. do what you need to do to get your own cigarettes up to and including, like, breaking the law. I I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't feel strongly that that's a law you need to, like, start worrying about. No, I don't think so. And I feel okay receiving criticism on this one. Yeah. Do you think you will? 
I, I mean, again, like I, I, I get that cigarettes are very bad for your health. They're yeah. bad for the environment. There's lots of great reasons not to smoke. Um, but and this yet, is something that she wants. It's, so it's like, yeah, it's it's tough. I, I hear what you're I've saying. I've also been quitting smoking since I was like 15. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I'm very aware of is like it is hard to it is incredibly hard to quit smoking. Yeah. And often totally. there's something that smoking does for you that's like, yeah, there are long term really bad health side effects. But that she are really should be bad. allowed to decide when she wants to quit. But there's like also the, like a lot of ways in which cigarettes like can provide you with a lot of benefits that like have been very hard for me to give up. So dude, totally. Well, that's what I mean. And that's what I'm there's something that she's getting out of this. It's like I have a lot of like sober friends and it's like the last thing that they give up is cigarettes because there's something that's like keeping them. So like if this is something that's like keeping her mental health in check for right now or even just brings her simple joy, I'm like she's and, an adult. She's yeah. Allowed to and, say what brings her joy. There's plenty of things that I do that like aren't great for me. But like I, th- I think that's mm. I think that's part of why I feel so like just get them however you have to. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like we all make a lot of trade offs. Life's really fucking hard. Yes. <laughs> um, quitting smoking is incredibly difficult. I don't think the like right approach is for just like you know the age to suddenly jump up three years and for you to be thrown into withdrawal. I wouldn't wish you to continue withdrawal on anybody. No. Um, and I want you to get your cigarettes for as long as you need them. Seriously. Yeah. So, uh, this next one. Sucks. I just am <laughs> sad about this one. This is a genuinely shitty situation. And I'm really sorry. It really is, which is why I will not use the voice. I think that's why. <laughs> uh, subject FIL feel up. Uh, Dear Prudence, I met my fiance's parents for the first time in August. They are from another country. It took a day for both of them to warm up to me, which I chalked up to cultural differences. I was cooking in the kitchen when my future father in law came in to check on things. Ugh. He was looking over my shoulder, and I thought I felt him run his hand over my backside. I jumped a little, but he had no reaction at all, so I brushed it off, thinking maybe he had just bumped into me. Fast forward to Christmas. We went to their country for the holidays, and I was helping my future uh, mother-in-law with getting the table set, etc. My future father-in-law came up behind me and grabbed my ass. There's no mistaking it this time. My fiancé is in the kitchen with my mother-in-law, and I was so startled with my handful of plates that I didn't know what to do. I made sure to avoid being alone with him the whole next week. How on earth do I approach this? I don't want to overreact, but I know that the last incident was intentional. Do I broach it straight with him? Ask my fiance to intervene. I hate this so much. I hate yeah. it so much. I hate it so much. Yeah. I hate everything this about it. This one sucks. This one sucks. Um, I'm so sorry. You yeah. are not overreacting. Nope, not at all. Not even a little. Every time was intentional. I was going to say, every single time was intentional. And it's it sucks that you have to weigh that now. Yeah. But it was. And the thing is, I, oh, I, like, I want to cry because I know why... I like might cry because I know why you don't uh, I know why like you want to make it that this time was intentional and the last time wasn't because it hurts more right. if they were both intentional like my right. heart breaks I right. know why you're doing that yeah it sucks because it's so much easier to just like think the one time was intentional and the other one wasn't one somehow hurts way more right and that even just the beginning of like I was cooking and my future father-in-law came in to check in on me yep. like just already this dynamic of like Women in the kitchen. Yep. The, like, pater familias is going to, like, pop in periodically to say, like, how are my little chickadees? And, like, grab the mass. <laughs> and just, like, uh, uh, one thing that I'm so glad awful. of is that you end with saying, do I ask my fiancé to intervene? Which at least suggests to me that you believe that your fiancé would be on your side. Yes. And that's, so, yes. That's but, like, more, e- even more than that, like, do not be around your in-laws Mm-mm. I I think that's a really bright hard line. You yeah. should like 
I, I, I got to say, and again, like, I know I'm coming to this as somebody who, like, recently cut off their entire family of origin for, like, unbelievably painful but important and necessary reasons. And somebody who wrote a book about doing that. <laughs> uh, wait, is that to, you or is that me? That's me. That's, oh, okay. How to be alone is so much about that. Because I was like, hang on, my book's not about that. Like, yeah, no, 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 okay, no, no. I, I was bringing mine into this. No, good, sorry. Good, I'm glad that no, you no, did. No. Yeah, your book no, isn't. Like, but like so much of how to be alone is about like if you don't have the family that you're supposed to have and your family is unsafe and like what yeah. do you do and how lonely that is. I, I, I gotta say, and, you know, this is like a kind of a classic trope in like romantic comedies because it is like you you put up on the screen if a future father-in-law does this, everyone in the audience boos and hisses. Yeah. Because everyone gets like this is the end of your relationship with your father. Yeah. Like if your fiance's response to this is anything other than my father sexually assaulted my fiance while we were visiting my father is a person who is not trustworthy, honorable, kind, yeah. loving. Twice, twice. Twice. Like, I, I cannot be in a relationship with my father and I, like, need to keep my fiancé, the letter writer, safe from him. Yeah. If your fiancé's response is anything less than that, if there's hesitation, if there's, are you sure? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If there's, I'm sure you just misunderstood. Especially because you're maybe, getting married. This isn't a new relationship. Right. Like, like maybe you forgot where your ass was. Like, um, <laughs> oh. If, if it's any of that, he is handing you a red flag that you cannot trust him. The biggest red flag. And at that point, I would say, like, fucking run. And, like, even beyond that, he is also, like, completely comfortable like, it's a red flag, but it's also, like, he's showing you what the rest of your relationship is going to look like. And that is going to be a bunch of these dinners he makes you go to and Ugh. puts you in an unsafe situation. Or let's say, let's say, okay, that, like, this guy, which it's it's a guarantee now we know he's done it twice, that he's going to do it again or wants to do it again, is might do something worse, God forbid. Um, he is putting you in a situation where, like, even if he never did any of these things again, you have to relive the fact that he did every single yeah. time you see him. And yeah. you have to feel that way and you have to feel uncomfortable so that he can feel comfortable. Yeah. So and like you literally like the image of like being unable to do anything in that moment because your hands were full of dishes infuriates. Oh, me absolutely. Absolutely. Infuriates me. So like You're straight up like three levels. There's no overreacting here. Nope. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's likely that you're going to, like, smash a plate over his head. Um, so short of committing, like, an act of, like, violence unprovoked, you're no. good in the overreacting category. And also, like, ugh, it breaks my heart. And again, I relate to it more than I want to. And I think so many people do. Yeah. They're like, oh, I don't want to overreact about this, like, super horrible thing. Because the fear is, if I if I maintain a, a really strong boundary here, yeah. other people will try to talk me out of it. Absolutely. And it would be so much more painful to see my fiancé say, hey, can you actually, like, find a way to be cool with the fact that my dad's going to grab your ass sometimes. Right, exactly. Or, oh, that's the way it, or, like... Because then he would reveal himself to be a coward. I also feel like... I also feel like... Yeah, I don't know. I just... I, I, I hope uh, your fiancé is great about this. I, I hope, hope that he is. He is. Um, I, do not feel like you have to broach it with the with your future father, who will hopefully never be your father-in-law. Um, like, In you a do not have way. To, like, he knows what he did. Yeah. I'm, like, there's a reason he didn't grab your ass in front of his son. Oh, yeah. Because he knows that it's not an or okay his thing own to do. Wife. Or his wife. Yeah, like, he knows he grabbed your ass. He knows he did it repeatedly. He knows he waited until you were alone and holding a bunch of fucking dishes for his dinner. Which is the most painful part because it's way easier to just be like, maybe he was confused. Like, that's, I took a, um. Maybe a, he just thought it was friendly. Like, nope. Right. 
Nope. I took a, a self-defense class a couple of years ago, and one of the most powerful things that came out of it is they had us do this exercise where, like, you just keep coming towards someone even mm. though they're saying no. Mm. And I will never forget it. The reason that it was powerful is because they had found that uh, most women would tell themselves, oh, they didn't know they are making me uncomfortable. But when they put us in this situation where we were the one who was pushing while someone was saying no, they were like, you all felt how uncomfortable that was, right? Like there was no part of you that was like confused or couldn't read it. And they were like, we do this because we want you to know that the person who does things like this, who crosses boundaries like this, absolutely knows they're doing right, it. Right, This is not a gray area. This is not a moment of mixed messages or crossed signals. So you he can't had, overreact to that because it was intentional. He just met you because you're marrying his son and he grabbed your ass while you were making him dinner. This is as unambiguous a boundary violation as it is possible to be. He is not a good guy. Yeah. Um, and you don't owe him shit. No, not at all. Um, you don't owe him politeness. You don't owe him laughing it off. You don't owe him the excuse of he didn't know what he was doing. You don't owe him a third opportunity to grab your ass. Nope. You owe him nothing. And also, like, if I, okay, however however you broach this with your fiancé is, is perfect, I would say. Yes. However you're able to find these words. However... I would love it if you are able to do it in the way that like so few people have been able to do it. Like, cause it's so easy to want to do this in a like, hey, kind of weird. Like, it's right. so easy to want to do don't it that way. Don't downplay it. Don't downplay it. And I mean, don't beat yourself up again. If you yeah. Do. If you have to, but like, man, if you can find it within yourself to be able to be like, this happened. And if you need to cry, you cry. If yeah. you like, but don't, if you can, if you can. Don't, you know, make it so that you're like, oh, it's fine. Like, this hurt you. Yeah. This has been harmful to you. And if you're going to have an open relationship uh, with this person, an honest relationship with this person, right. you need them to know that, like, this is weighing on you. So if you can, don't do it like a, oh, you kind of did this thing and right. I'm sure it wasn't whatever. Like, yeah. no. Don't do This is what happened. Yeah. Downplaying it. Just, a, just, just an so encouragement. Sorry. Just gentle encouragement. Yeah. yeah. And seriously, sorry. This sucks. Lane. Thank you so yeah, much thank you. for coming on this show and yeah. for bringing Katherine Hepburn with you. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. I'm extremely grateful to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. Here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. Your problem is Ryan, man. Yeah. Your problem is Ryan, who sounds like the most spineless motherfucker <laughs> on earth. Like, at least Caitlin seems alive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is like a Maggie Ryan's the Cat is alive there. situation. Ryan's just there. Ryan's just like, hey, move in. Um, you're not on the lease. 
but I do need you to make rent. So like you are running a risk because I could kick you out at any time, but um, I'm yeah. not willing to like put in writing the things that we owe one another. I'm just going to like leave the house all the time and not set appropriate boundaries with either you or my girlfriend. So the two of you just fight when I'm not around. Yeah. But like, don't get me involved with your personal drama. I'm just trying to like work a lot, man. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash prudipod.